Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, welcome, Chris, to another edition. Great to have you here, my man. How are you? Yo, glad to be here, doing well. <laughs> awesome. Well, I know we have a we have a fantastic topic, and it's really critical as you open up your... What are you drinking, man? Dude, I was fizzy doing drink? it under my desk what is to be really drink? quiet, and so I'll go ahead and do it right in the mic for everybody. A little soda water, actually. All right. uh, so we're, we're safe here for now. All right. Uh, so we're talking about coaching, my man, coaching. So, um, you know, by now, every leader on the planet um, has read something or heard something about how, how important coaching is. And for those of us who've been doing it for uh, years, for me, over 15 years, you probably more like 20 or more. Um, and not just, hey, I'm going to call consulting coaching now, not because we're throwing out a, a word uh, but because we actually know what that word means and we've been executing it as defined. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, but I think what's going to be cool also is that you and I are going to take opposing views, not necessarily opposing from a perspective of fighting, but two different perspectives on how coaching can be executed inside an organization to you know, with the objective of building individuals and teams. So uh, I'm excited to get to jump in. I guess the question yeah. is, where do we start, my man? Man, I mean, it's funny that I don't really think about the past as much. So you brought that up and uh, dude, like, you know, you got to pay attention to what's happening. Even when you're younger in college, I had buddies that would come into my room and like, didn't know it was coaching then, but like asking for advice uh, and, and very quickly realized as a team leader, oh, you know, 21, 22 public roles, how much it matters to coach people so that they're constantly improving and getting better. And so I think, you know, the starting point is just to acknowledge coaching and therapy are completely different. And and this is something that I think sets a baseline. Uh, and if you don't understand this difference, you can get confused. Therapy is for non-functioning to functioning. You know, there's something that isn't happening like you want it to, and it's essential for your survival, uh, for your uh, health, for your well-being. Coaching is moving oftentimes from functioning to high performing. And so you're, you're accelerating something, you're growing something, you're developing a deeper uh, approach. You know, we could use endless athletic examples to this. Now, that doesn't mean coaching is elective though, because mm -hmm. if people have something that they really want, and they're going after it, the specifics of what they're getting coached in can help them get there. Uh, whatever that is. And there's a million, you know, places that you see fields of knowledge developed like sales. At the same time, 
coaching done right, done well, is improving the quality of someone's life so much, it no longer is elective. It feels essential mm. because they mm. know a, such a different experience than the one they had before. And uh, I think that's important just to, to, to get out of the way because sometimes you're in a place in life you need both. Sometimes you need one or the other. Right. But we've been changed by coaching and huge topic. Yeah. Well, I think um, when you think when you talk about its comparison to therapy, right, that's in all of our agreements, uh, that's one of the things it says that the client understands this is not therapy. And if they yep. require therapy, uh, they should seek a licensed professional. So therapists are licensed. Coaches generally are certified, but those certifying bodies are not necessarily credentialed. Right. And so there's not an official license per se. I think the other thing that's important to note that I think about is, and I'd love your opinion, therapy tends to look backwards. So what is it in your life that got you to where you are? Like we want to understand that before we can move forward. And coaching really only really thinks about moving forward. Where where are you? Where do you want to be? What's going to be required to close the gap? Uh, because again, coaches aren't, aren't, unless you are working with a coach who's also a licensed therapist, aren't qualified to dig into that, um, into that past. Yeah. Not extensively for sure. I think a coaching program, like what we do with our premier, when we are doing a quick glance back just to start to piece together a narrative of why do I behave the way that I do when, uh, certain stressors are happening or whatever. But yeah, you know, that can open up a lot for people. And so that's not territory that coaches are standing in. Healthy coaches might be listening. They might be providing support to some of that. But yeah, it's much more about that forward motion. So I like that. We'll mm -hmm. look back a little. We're just not going to look back as much. Right. We're not going to. We're not going to dig in um, unless we're unless we're qualified, right? Unless we're licensed. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing too is that not every therapist is a coach. So a lot of folks have both. Um, I'd like to make one other distinction, professional distinction between a coach and a consultant. Yes. Uh, from my perspective, I'd love again to hear from you. Um, one of the things is that you know that can happen when you get in, when you're engaged in a coaching relationship, especially with a leader who has been told, "I want you to be a better leader," and the company goes and hires a coach, and they say to the coach, "Make him or her a better leader," and so you're you're kind of you're the subject of a directive from your superior that says you will improve in this area. And what's often confused is this concept of coaching versus consulting versus mentorship versus advisory type work. And um, I know it may sound like we're, we're nitpicking a little bit here, but it's, a, it's critical that you have clarity about what um, you're being asked to do and what you're, what type of service you're seeking uh, just to make sure that you're getting what you pay for, right? Mm -hmm. Because we, we, we know that like back in the 90s, everybody was a consultant and that was the key word. Now everybody's a coach. Now that's the key word. But how do you know everybody defines coaching the same way? So for me, the shorthand is for, def for defining this is that a coach really operates as a guide. The, gu the guide doesn't climb the mountain for you. The guide doesn't go out and buy all the gear required. What the guide will do, though, is ask you, which mountain do you want to climb? How high do you want to go? What kind of condition are you in? Um, how committed are you to 
this success? Um, how much training have you done? What kind of training have you done? And then they'll explore, of course, the mental side, right? Why are you seeking this? How important is this to you? What if you don't get there? What will that mean to you? All these things that are important, but they're all they're all driven by the questions that the guide is asking. And the guide's purpose is to create a higher level of awareness in the individual. Uh, and then the individual, by virtue of that awareness, then does the work. And that contrasts with the consultant who does the work for you mm-hmm. and then delivers you the end product. And what you and I know, Chris, is that the learning, the advancing, the permanency of the experience is achieved only when you do the work yourself, which is why you hire a coach, because you want the level of awareness that the coach can provide you as to what the barriers, what barriers you have created for yourself that you're facing, what barriers uh, may you may be creating that right now as you're, as you're proceeding, uh, what opportunities may exist, um, and help you think about who you are in the context of the goals and the vision that you seek, and then help you think about, um, by virtue of this clarity, the strategies and actions you can take to actually get where you want to go. The consultant is is going to be much more interested in doing the work themselves. Now, the consultant, um, in this case, does that because they're actually doing the learning. And every time they they take on a, a task... And they get paid to deliver a task. They're getting paid to learn, so they're getting a double, double shot, right? They're getting the, they're getting the compensation, mm-hmm. and they're building a new, a new tool that they can resell. Um, you're paying the coach to allow you to learn. The other thing I would say is that this is not necessarily coaching in the context of a sports coach, where I'm yelling at you and I'm directing you and I'm picking apart everything you're doing to try to motivate you and get you going and everything else. You know, this is, this is a, those two are totally different, two two totally different roles. The, the ideal situation in a pure coaching environment, like the one we're talking about is one where the client brings the agenda. I'm going to, I, as the client, I'm going to tell my coach what's important to me today. And we're going to focus on that because that's what I'm curious about. And that curiosity is what brings the energy to the relationship, right? If you require the coach to bring the energy, then the only thing the coach can do is simply ask you some questions about where, for example, you might be experiencing stress. What, for example, you you think that might be causing that stress? Um, How, for example, did you respond to that stress? Were you happy with the outcome? If not, what would you have changed? And then we can dig into the causes, Hopefully that resonates. Yeah. Where would you where would you cl- uh, add some clarification, Chris? Well, I think you know, just as uh, you said, therapists aren't necessarily great at coaching, and and consultants aren't great coaches. You know, there are times I'm consulting, and I know when I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm doing some work to help accelerate some insights uh, that you know, it, it's not them having to work at something, right? Um, and even though that consulting might be no prep work because it's building off of my expertise, it's still me in the moment using my brain power for whatever they need, however limited that brain power might be at times. Coaching, they're doing the work. Now, 
where I'm tracking with you completely, but I do have one difference is uh, to use the sports example. It, 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 we're not yelling at them. We're not, you know, maybe it's, it's you know, we're not the fitness trainer. <laughs> but what makes the concept of coaching so powerful is you, the person being coached, are working on something. So I think we can use the athletic example to say they're on the field. They are working on something. They are trying to improve something. You are coaching too. Uh, a specific outcome they want to get to, a specific exercise that they're um, working at to get to that outcome, however small or big that is. You take a football player as an example. You know they're learning how to uh, perform a specific tackle, and that coach is giving them specific insight while they watch them do it. Now I think this is where we we both appreciate both sides, but for me. I, I, I can have a component to the meeting where we're working on what they care about, and that is important. But ultimately where we start is you don't actually know the most important thing to work on. And, and that could be offensive to some. So I, I like to think about the Steve Jobs story where he said, if I gave everybody what they wanted, I would have given them a bigger battery. Nobody asked for the iPhone. And when... We take people through our, our premier program. It's the front door. They wouldn't even come to the chat knowing to even think about the topic if we weren't priming them for it, teaching them to an exercise to work on because they would want a bigger battery. And we're <laughs> giving them the iPhone. Right. right. Well, so I think and your premier program is figure... What's the title? That shift out. Figure that shift out. Figure that shit right? out. Com. We do figure. own that URL. <laughs> well, so and so, let's talk about this for a moment. So, just to, just to wrap up what we what we've been talking about. I think I think what we what we would both agree to is that whether you call yourself a coach, a consultant, a sports coach, athletic coach, um, a fitness coach, uh, an advisor, a mentor, I would say I think what we'd agree to is that anytime. You in that in whatever role you're playing, ask somebody a question that creates a higher level of awareness for them. Mm-hmm. You're practicing coaching, as we're defining it. Mm-hmm. That question that sparks uh, a question inside the mind of that person, uh, the client, uh, the athlete, um, that brings them to a higher level of awareness. And you're doing it by asking questions. You're practicing coaching. Yeah, um, and I would say in the context of training now, let's say that we're talking about a program like figure that shift out, or like our sales leadership academy, or collecting wins, whatever type of training program we're going through, coaching can be applied to that curriculum to again create a higher level of awareness for how that curriculum can be applied, in, you know, in the life or profession of that individual. What I love about marrying coaching to a training curriculum is that it it customizes the curriculum, it personalizes it, and it accelerates the adoption of the learnings and the application of those learnings uh, it, for the individual that you're trying to help. Yeah. Well, this is why, and you, in previous episodes, people have heard me talk about the my passion for the wins model regarding to say regarding sales but what people may not know because we haven't talked about this is how powerful it is for coaching and so 
you know, with our certified coaches, Jimmy's teaching the wins model. Why? Because it marries these two. We're already at the marriage, dude. We couldn't even stay fighting very long. It, it, it's got this place where we're taking them through a program, figure that shift out. They have exercises they're working on. And, and I think most learning is crap anyway, because you all effective teaching teaches to an exercise, right? Imagine sitting and listening for two hours on how to do yoga. That would be stupid. I'm going to teach you for two minutes and then we're going to do the exercise, you know, and, and there are some topics that need long extended lectures and you get that. But for most learning, we want to teach to this exercise. Now the exercise isn't random. We want to get to a specific outcome. But as we journey to that in a structured program, still there is stuff that's going to come up that's important to them that needs to be addressed. And that's why I love the wins model because the wins model coaches them to the insight they need. And this for me is the big point about coaching that uh, is, is everything. Done right, you should be able to leave that chat and generate the insights you need germane to that topic. That, that you learned what to do, how to do it, and why to do it, whatever the it is, in such a way that you can keep going. It doesn't mean you have to be on your own, but if you had to be on your own, you can keep going. It's a generative process. And that's what makes, you know, mentoring, I'm beside you, I'm with you, I'm I'm, I'm teaching you what I know. Coaching, I'm at such an elevated state with this topic. I can have an exchange with you on it and you're going to be able to keep going, you know, as you need to from there. Yeah. Um, love that. Um, I think, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the impact of coaching and, um, I think, I think it's worthwhile talking about, you know, the expectations here, right? So when we're, when we're working with somebody and helping them think about what they can learn, right? So you're talking about this idea of the lecture, right? So there's learning involved and then, so you want to learn and then you want to go do, and then I think the next level for me is teach. So mm-hmm. when, I, when I'm working in an organization, I know I'm building mastery mm-hmm. uh, within an individual or a group if they can, if they can actually follow that, uh, that path, learning, doing, and teaching. And oftentimes to have that student not just demonstrate they can do it, but that they can teach it is the ultimate, um, it's, the, it's the ultimate level of achievement for me as as uh, as the practitioner, but it's the ultimate level of achievement for my client in terms of producing a predictable or a permanent um, level of change in the organization. If you can get to the point where training plus coaching can turn somebody into a teacher and you can transfer that skill set, man, that's 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 the biggest win, especially if you can do that with a leader. If you can take a leader through a process like you do, with SightShift for, you know, through the process of adopting the knowledge and then adapting or applying the knowledge. And then of course, um, advancing or teaching the knowledge, man, what a, what a, what an amazing thing. And that's when, you know, that's when I know I've delivered full value to my client. Mm-hmm. The, that, that for me is probably the most gratifying part. 
that the insight happens in such a way that the brain self-organizes behavior around it. You know, when people try to attack behavior, it's, it's just, it's the wrong place to go. If they can learn to get that insight that they need, their brain will organize around it. And then to what you're saying, they can teach it to others. You know, we actually close out our program with that idea. Teach what you know, because now you know this, it's in you. You can't help but give away something that's helped you when you're in a healthy place and uh, you, you can extend that impact. So the light bulb goes off, the behavior changes, you get to sit with them and hear about it phew, all day long, all day long, which is why I, you know, I love coaching, but the next level emerged for me. Oh, what if I coached coaches to do that same thing? Right, right, right. More joy. Yeah. Well, so, so I know we have a lot to talk about, Chris. Let's, 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 I want to bring up a topic near and dear to my heart um, around when coaching fails. Mm. Uh, when a leader who is uh, moving, trying to move their, their organization, his or her team to the next level, um, and they attempt to adapt and adopt coaching, which is this, whether it's with a team as a group or one-on-one, especially in the context of, let's say, performance improvement plans or individual development plans where we're we're doing our best as a leader to work with each individual member of our team to help them understand where they are in the context of the goals that they've set for themselves and uh, the development plans that they've uh, committed to, and then helping them move through that in a, or those plans in a, um, at a cadence that will get them to where they want to be, right? So that everybody can hit their commitments and the organization can continue to advance. Um, coaching in that context can be very difficult if there isn't uh, the right relationship that has been developed ahead of time in advance of the coaching session between the leader and their direct reports. Uh, I wonder what kind of experiences you've had with that. Dude, some wild ones for sure. (laughs) You know, it all fits under the umbrella of what you said, but it goes down two specific paths. One the leader tolerates um, subperformance is highly relational and kind of looks the other way to people that hijack with relational immaturity meetings and moments. And if you've got a leader like that, then guess what? You're going to have somebody on the team who's like that, who's going to use their body language in a very mature way to let the group know they would not do this <laughs> on their own. Um, and then the other side of it is people that, um, have chosen in some way to not give their heart to what their leader has asked them to do. And it doesn't mean the leader tolerates an emotional immaturity. It just means this next step of the company's growth and journey is not a step they're bought into. Now, maybe the leader didn't get their buy-in in a healthy, effective way. You know, there's a lot of ways... Some can go to the other extreme and and want the team to be so ready for it that they never advance. Um, But usually what's happened in that sense is they haven't been given space to get a vision for what the program could be. But again, 
you know, this is the powerful thing about leadership. Not everybody is going to take the next step with you. So if you're engaging in some kind of group coaching and you haven't done it before, especially if it's an ambitious growth-oriented program, like the kind of programs that you and I do and the kind of coaching that you and I do, uh, not everybody, uh, you know, you're, you're taking a new step and not everybody always wants to go with you. Mm-hmm. And if we want more to come with us, then we're going to try to invite them into the process and help them get buy-in. Yeah. So, uh, and I love everything you've said. I think we've had similar experiences. I've kind of distilled this idea to three three concepts, this idea of respect, trust, and understanding. Mm. And it, go, it goes like this, you know, team members accept coaching from leaders they respect. Mm. So the first place we go when we, when we hear that coaching's not working is, you know, is there a level of respect between the coach E and the coach, the person being coached and the person delivering the coaching. Uh, How often, I mean, I know in my career, I had no respect for any leader in my career in the first 15 years because I thought I knew everything and they could teach me nothing. And that really did not serve me as well as if I had been more open-minded. But, you know, it it would be, if the mindset, if the mind is shut off, um, then I'm just putting in time. I'm not really getting value from that. So, Team members accept coaching from leaders they respect, and it's important to know that respect is more about being liked. More about being liked. It's it's about earning the team member's desire um, to to accept their own vulnerability and to be vulnerable with you. And in order to in order to have that kind of a relationship, you have to have trust. Yeah. So the next thing is that we think about is that team members respect leaders they trust. And so we have to make sure that uh, if, if, if there isn't respect, we have to then see if, there is, if there's trust. If there isn't, then you've got a, a bigger challenge, right? And at least you now know, you now know, know where to start. Uh, and trust is more than this rational decision-making. It's a feeling somebody has, right? And it gives you, as the, um, as the coach, the chance to kind of um, explore that vulnerability in, in, a, in the, the person you're coaching. But it also earns that desire for them to be authentic and transparent with you. And it really frees up the, the conversations and the coaching relationship to really uh, get to the core of what may be blocking or creating a barrier for the person you're coaching. Mm. And then the third component is this idea that this idea of understanding. You know, team members, trust leaders, they understand who understand them. So it, this is kind of a, for me, it's a, another model that steps us back to the core of what's required for successful coaching. If you don't understand your people um, and your people don't understand you if, you, if you're missing that basic level of communication, you're not going to have a foundation upon which to build that trust. And if you don't have that core level of trust, you're not going to have a foundation upon which to build that respect. And if you don't have that level of respect, you are going to have a very, very difficult time coaching somebody. So a lot of folks that are listening might be, hey, let's just go get a coaching course, learn that shit, and like, let's, let's deploy it. And you may just now schedule all your team members for regular coaching <laughs> from, from you without having done the work. And you might invest all this time and effort and just be and just not see any change in the team or the change that you expect and be wondering why. Well, it's because you haven't done 
the stuff that's required up front. And it's all about that relationship uh, and whether or not you've earned the right to cast yourself as that coach. The other critical thing I'd say, Chris, before I hand it back to you is that this is why hiring a coach like Chris or, or myself or another professional is so valuable because we've learned over the years how to take a stranger and build that rapport up front, create that level of understanding, trust, and respect in one meeting, and then leverage that and continue to build that over time to create the kind of coaching relationship and the coaching bond that just cannot be broken. Yeah, and I, I thought it was the wins model that was helping me build that bond really quick, but I think it's because I'm bald and <laughs> it just so relaxes the person. They're You're like, non-threatening. I'm non-threatening, exactly. Well, how, how does uh, how does this connect to a statement that you make that I want to understand more about guiding? Uh, your people, salespeople, but we know we're talking big idea leadership, all all people to forty nine percent greater effectiveness. What's that all about? Right, right. Well, it was some research done by a partner of ours. Um, they studied the performance results of fifty five hundred uh, managers and their teams, and um, they looked at folks that um, simply. Um, learned the skills to be effective at coaching. Mm. And they were able to achieve about a 16% improvement in the effectiveness of their salespeople. And then they looked at the amount of time they were spending, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's 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 about, you know, we all know, right? It's like, you know, how do you create diamonds, right? It's pressure over time. So it's, I would say in the context here, it's impact over time. So they found that coaches that... Um, not that weren't necessarily effective, but just spent lots of time with their folks. They were actually 28%, they were able to achieve 28% more effectiveness in their salespeople. Then when they looked at folks that were effective and invested the time, they were able to achieve a 49% lift in the effectiveness of their salespeople. And you can, you can leverage any metric you want to measure effectiveness. And we can walk through that maybe on a later time, at a later time, Chris. But this idea of combining effectiveness and time is really the point here. Um, if you are a leader and you and you and you have a team, you've got to be thinking about coaching not as a nice to have, but as a must have. Mm. Coaching is the singular; it's the singular most important thing you can do to develop your people, and it's a singular most important thing you can do to develop the effectiveness of your team. If you're not spending time on coaching, if, for example, you're at the extreme and you're just somebody who tracks results and barks out commands and berates people with carrot stick motivators to get their shit done and hit the goals that they have in front of them, and you're not doing anything to help every member of the team think about how they individually can adapt and adopt uh, principles, skills, mindsets, tools, et cetera, to advance themselves, then you're never going to help your team reach its potential. And so what we're talking about here is, is helping individuals recognize and then step into and develop their potential. Mm, I love it. It's so powerful because we can be inspired that whoever's listening to this, you're nowhere near the edge of your potential. There's so much more. 
I mean, and I think for too many people, they feel these things like I've tried and failed too many times. I mean, Jimmy, how many experiments have you heard me run uh, this last year as we've adjusted businesses and things and, and things that fail and don't work? It's it's too late. Not for me. I can't have that kind of growth they're talking about. Uh, you know, whatever those things that, that say to you, uh, not for you, you know, coaching is that lift that says, no, it can be, it's, it's, you know, it's up to you. You've got to do some work, but with the right relationship, you can see amazing results. Both of us have been impacted so significantly. We've talked about it in different episodes, Mm -hmm. uh, through those experiences. And so if people that are listening to this are struggling with something that they want to advance on, go find a coach go find a coach. Yeah. And maybe learn how to interview a coach ahead of time. Yes. That might help. Yes, that will help. <laughs> but, but I'll, I just want to, I want to bring it back. I appreciate you saying that, Chris. And I also want to bring it back to a comment I made about how indispensable coaching is. Um, you know, as I was coming up the ranks as a salesperson early in my career, um, over and over again, it would, it would become apparent that managers really had very little, if any, training. Yeah. Right. And 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 you all, almost always failed when you took your top producing salesperson and made them a manager, mm. because the man because that professional thought that management was the next best place to go. But they but as soon as they hit that management level, they kind of step into their incompetence, and they end up failing without the proper support. Now, besides the proper support, it also requires the proper mindset. If you're going to lead a team, you have to put that team first. You have to be more interested in developing people than you are in whatever kind of personal um, accolade or response that you're looking for from outside of you, right? From around you. You have to be dedicated to developing people. You can't just be this person who was used to being an individual contributor and now you're going to teach people exactly how you were successful as an individual contributor and then kind of force them to follow your plan, but not be curious about each individual and not be invested in each individual's personal development. Being a leader requires that. And because that's true, effective leadership development requires a coaching curriculum. It requires you to have your own coach. One, so you can have somebody modeling for you the way, to, the way to approach your team and the way to kind of build curriculums and concepts and programs to, to get the most out of your team. Um, but also uh, because it's, gonna, it's going to, it's going to you know, satisfy a, a core curiosity that you have about how you can get better in that, in that job, at that role. Um, so this, I'd, I'd love to hear from you, Chris. You know, what do you think about this concept of um, development and coaching and curriculums designed for leaders as being required, not really, not nice to have or optional. And, and I think I'm speaking not just to the leader themselves, but to the culture and the company that, that they work within. If yeah. a company is not thinking about developing their leaders, can they be really serious about developing their company? Yeah. Well, the starting point of all change and transformation is awareness. And if you can't, if you're not, if you don't have a growing and advanced awareness of yourself, you're going to be a crappy leader. 
if you don't have an advanced and growing awareness of others, you're going to be a crappy leader. And so it, it's essential. Now, here's what's crazy. What's changed in the market, and we see this in the companies we work with, millennials and Gen Z, of course, not as many companies are hiring as much Gen Z yet, but they expect their manager to be able to coach them. They have it as an expectation. It's not a conscious expectation, but up to this point in their life, they have been heavily coached, right? Versus you and I, I mean, like, I had wrecked my car before college, so I got dropped off at college and, uh, you know, see you later, buddy. <laughs> uh, and I'm watching my daughter, you know, in her college, and it's such a crazy different experience about, like, you know, she goes to the bookstore and they have all these workers there set up to guide you to your books, and the world's changed. And coaching is essential if you want to impact people, be a healthy leader, be the kind of person that, that uh, they look back on and go, I am so glad I got to work for them or him or her. But now, now, people, it, we know it. It's an employee's marketplace. People will choose a job based on that interaction they have with the person hiring them. And do they think that kind of person can coach them? Huge. Right. And, and, and think about and just some, some obvious observations, right? So... Maybe not so obvious, but um, you know, think about this: is it is it how likely is it that a team is ever going to outperform the capability of their leader? Right? How many team? Yeah, I mean, never <laughs> unless you're ex- exquisitely lucky and you get some, yeah. you make a great you draft a great player or you make a great hire. You get crazy lucky. But it, you might get lucky for a year or a season but you're not, or a quarter, but you're not going to sustain right that on. success. Right on. So just, just think about that. As a, as a leader of an organization, if you're not developing your people, how can you expect your teams to outstrip the, the capability of your, of your leaders? You shouldn't be able to. And I'll tell you what, here's the next obvious thing. If you have a B leader, how easy is it going to be for that person to hire an A player? Or even to attract an A player to the team. A players never go work for B organizations or B teams unless they make a mistake or they're manipulated into it. And if so, then they're looking for work within a month or two of joining the organization because they know instantly whether they're on a team that can elevate them or whether they're on a team that's going to hold them back. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that one thing there, that is one model. And there are so many models. And I was a nerd when I was like, I'm still a nerd, but when I was, was? like 25, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, back when I had hair, I'd go get my hair cut and I had models in my wallet that I would study because, and now I can be in organizations when I when it is consulting or coaching and I can see exactly what's about to happen next based on, you know, the phases of a team, the ABC player. I mean, there's just so many models and leaders are hungry, they're growing their awareness, and they keep adding to their knowledge because they know how valuable it is to have the right answer at the right time to help people. Yeah. Um, I feel compelled, Chris, before we wrap up, uh, I want to make an offer to the listeners. Um, If you guys would like our definitions of A, B, C, D players, I'm happy to send those to you. 
Um, also, if you'd like the results of just the years of work that we've done in creating the coaching agreement, right? As a as the client, here are the commitments I'm going to make, and as the coach, here, is I'm, here are the commitments I'm going to make to the process. Happy to send that. Also happy to send just a little uh, brief on what we mean by the difference between coaching and consulting. All of these things really help um, us when we're initiating a coaching relationship. If we can level set definitions and expectations up front, then we can avoid a lot of confusion and we can get to higher levels of performance that much quicker. So if you're interested, you know, listen to the outro for the uh, email addresses. Happy to send that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Chris, thanks for a great conversation, my man. Always we'll see you in the sun. Peace. Thanks for listening. If you learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.